This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Clote, and here's what's coming up. Uh, I think you're going to see us continue to be all in when it comes to Africa. Uh, We have already moved out and made terrific progress on many of the commitments that we made in the Africa Leaders Summit. That's John Kirby, the U.S. National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications on the continued White House commitment to Africa. Also, top U.S. diplomat Antony Blinken continues a five-day trip to the Mideast seeking to avert a wide Israel-Hamas war. And final preparations are underway for the Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. In a recent interview with VOA's White House correspondent Paris Huang, John Kirby, the National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, reiterated that President Joe Biden and his administration are all in on cooperation with the African continent in the coming year. Uh, I think you're going to see us continue to be all in when it comes to Africa. Uh, We have already moved out and made terrific progress on many of the commitments that we made in the Africa Leaders Summit. Um, And there have been visits by some 17 senior level officials uh, of the United States government. I fully expect that those that those uh, uh, high level engagements will will continue. And the U.S. has imposed sanctions on individuals in several African countries which are experiencing conflict like the uh, Congo, Sudan. President Biden also recently revoked uh, AGOA assess over human rights issues on Central African Republic, Gabon, Niger and Uganda. Is this type of economics, uh, statecraft, the mental level that the United States has for managing this relationship with the continent? And is this enough to counter China's rising influence and massive expenditures on the continent? Well, first of all, these actions were taken, uh, these economic actions, actions you're, you're talking about, uh, were, uh, were designed to e- e- express our deep concern um, and, to, and to do it tangibly about some of the... Um, some of the practices by, by leaders in these countries. It has nothing to do with trying to counter uh, China. It's about, it's about leading our foreign policy uh, with a strong focus on, on human and civil rights um, and doing what's right uh, and making it clear what we will and what we won't stand for. Um, we have other tools at our disposal, uh, which, again, I'm not in a position to, uh, you know, to speculate about right at this time, but, uh, but it's not about China. These countries all get to decide for themselves what kind of relationship they want with the United States uh, and what kind of relationship they want with China. That's up to them. Um, the, we're comfortable that we've got a strong network of relationships across the continent. We're comfortable that we're taking real action to give African nations and African leaders um, alternatives in terms of financing, transparent, healthy, vibrant financing opportunities that won't push their countries further into debt the way that other uh, financial relationships with other countries outside the continent have have caused uh, to these African uh, our African uh, friends so again um, we're going to keep doing what we're what, what we've been doing meeting the commitments that we made during the Africa Leaders Summit uh, offering opportunities for infrastructure growth and development and investment that are sound and viable and transparent um, and continuing to uh, to, uh, to honestly put uh, our money where our mouth is when it comes to standing up for shared principles and values. 
That was John Kirby, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, speaking with VOA White House correspondent Paris Wang. As Italy assumes the rotating presidency of the group of seven leading industrial nations, Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni says a focus on developing strategic partnerships with Africa rather than aid will be key during its one-year tenure. Cooperating to develop local economies and raising living standards in Africa, she said, could dissuade prospective migrants from seeking refuge in Europe. Dale Gavlak reports from Rome. Italy envisions a strategy for Africa known as the Mattei Plan, named after Enrico Mattei, founder of the state-controlled oil and gas giant Eni. It calls for expanding cooperation in Africa beyond energy. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney told a news conference this week the plan includes specific projects, but details would be unveiled this month at a Rome conference. Professor Nicholas Westcott of the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London welcomed the announcement. It's an encouraging development, but needs to be delivered on, he told VOA, saying that previously there has been more talk than delivery along these lines. Westcott, who was formerly the EU's managing director for Africa, says the EU had put a significant sum of money to encourage investment, but it hasn't had much impact yet. He says the EU needs to up its game in terms of effective investment in Africa. Now is a good time to do it. Africa is starved of investments. The demands for investment allow the economies to adapt to climate change, which is already having a quite dramatic impact in Africa, even more than elsewhere. It's very urgent. So it is timely that this initiative is taken. Most of the nearly 261,000 illegal migrants crossing the Mediterranean from northern Africa in 2023 entered Europe through Italy, according to the United Nations. Italy's stringent immigration laws and restrictions on sea rescue charities have not helped stem the tide. Maloney's government says it is open to legal immigration to help plug labor gaps in Italy, which has one of the world's oldest and shrinking populations. Westcott said the plan's underlying motive of reducing illegal migration from Africa is politically realistic in Europe. Maloney is a relatively moderate representative, is using this anti-immigrant card to increase their vote in Europe. And without constructive policies to tackle the problem, there will be more destructive policies introduced. Madalena Procopio, an Africa analyst with the European Council on Foreign Relations, told VOA that Italy, in the words of Maloney, wants to build cooperation and serious strategic relationships in Africa as equals, not predators. She pointed to energy cooperation Africa has provided Italy, which moved away from Russian gas. Procopio said that while migration concerns play a big role for Italy and the EU, the Matai plan is more economically oriented. Italy and Europe in general are talking a lot about a shift from aid, from development cooperation to economic partnership. But it's unlikely that we'll see a real shift, reduction of aid. So it's more likely to be both. The fact that the focus is on economic partnership and not only on development cooperation is a good and pragmatic change of approach. 
Africa has massive needs in terms of financing, infrastructure, energy access, health, education. Procopio said EU and Western public finance alone will not be sufficient to address such development needs. And that is why private funds are necessary. Del Gavlak, VOA News, Rome. Israel hit targets in South Gaza and across its border with Lebanon ahead of a visit by the top U.S. diplomat Antony Blinken, who is seeking to avert a wider war. He is due in Saudi Arabia after talks earlier today in UAE capital Abu Dhabi. The French news agency AFP says Blinken will meet Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in the desert city of Al-Ula as part of his five-day tour of the Middle East aimed at curtailing the Israel-Hamas conflict. Gaza's health ministry says 73 dead and 99 wounded arrived at Al-Aqsa Hospital in central Gaza's Dei al-Bala city over the previous 24 hours. In the southern city of Khan Yunis, troops and warplanes struck 30 militant targets during the that period, including underground targets and weapon storage facilities. Two journalists working for the Al Jazeera network were killed yesterday when their car was struck in southern Gaza city of Rafah, near the border with Egypt. The Committee to Protect Journalists says at least 79 journalists and media professionals have been killed since the war began. <laughs> And you are listening to Africa News Tonight. I'm Peter Clotty in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see VOAAfrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out VOAnews.com. The Africa Cup of Nations tournament kicks off on Saturday in Ivory Coast, UAE Mugbil Yabro will be part of our team on the ground to catch the action. He's here in the studio with me to give us a look ahead at the expected highlight. Hello, Mugbil. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. So tell me, what are your expectations of this tournament? What teams are we looking forward to posing surprises? Um, so first and foremost, uh, Pete, I, I think this tournament throughout the years has been a very, very uh, interesting tournament in that it wasn't really highly revered. There was moments where the the, the tournament didn't happen uh, as is happening now within this specific time frame. It used to happen sometimes during the um, World Cup, right. and they moved it. Um, and now we're seeing a lot of European clubs or a lot of these quote-unquote bigger clubs having so much African talent. Um, so now comes to this tournament, AFCON 2023 in Ivory Coast, um, I'm looking at the reigning champion, Senegal. Absolutely. Mm. They have to be one of the fan favorites. Mm. Um, being in that West African region, you can expect them to have uh, somewhat of a, a home kind of support, uh, not too far out. Um, Sadio Mane, we know he's mm-hmm. playing it at the moment in the Saudi Pro League, but definitely will be somebody who uh, is really playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um on top of that, if, if we look at any other teams, Morocco. We've seen what Morocco did in the World Cup. We, we understand they just arrived in Ivory Coast. They, they have arrived in Ivory Coast relatively early. Mm-hmm. If this was the Afri- AFCON of the past, a team of that caliber would show up the day before the tournament starts. Right. They would be not really be taking it as seriously as they are. So that is amazing to note that they are here. The entire full team, from what I'm hearing, is on the ground in Ivory Coast, ready, training, making sure that they have that chemistry that they had built during the World Cup. So I'm excited to see what Morocco does 
Um, on top of that, you know, you can't really knock out a team like Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, having won the most AFCONs uh, in the his- history of the, of the tournament. It, it appears Salah can't wait. He said, we've been waiting Mo, for Mo too Salah long. Salah said, not only can they not wait, because, you know, his last go-around, he lost to Senegal, mm-hmm. lost, lost to then-teammate Sadio Mane, mm-hmm. who told them, it's okay, we'll be playing on the same team when I see you back in Liverpool. <laughs> but he is excited, and he is one of the most on-form football players in the world right now, leading in the Premier League with the most goals and the most assists. Mm. So he, he's playing phenomenally. So if I was to say... Those three teams, and then let me put in there also uh, uh, Ghana, you know. Just well, because, some people yeah. are saying they might not play well. Um, uh, you know, they people, have not been performing too well yeah, lately. They have not, maybe have not been, but I think this is maybe the coming out party for, you know, we'll get into it deeper later on when we talk about the players, but Mohamed Kudus but, but, but let's look at the stars, yes. because you yes. talked about Mo, Mo Salah, yes. Said Omani. Yes. Uh, but what other stars are we looking forward to coming up or showing up? African Player of the Year, Victor Osimhen for Nigeria, is mm-hmm. going to be somebody that you have to watch. Uh, somebody who may be flying under the radar for other other um, uh, folks that don't necessarily watch the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Victor Boniface for right. Bayern Leverkusen. Phenomenal. I believe he has 15 or 16 He's on goals. Fire. He's on fire. Mm-hmm. So to have those two players playing up top together for Nigeria means mm-hmm. that Super Eagles are going to be flying high. You know. On top of that, let's let's just go, go back to the young man we just spoke about, Mohamed Kudus. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best buys for the English Premier League side, uh, West Ham, just from a creative side. And what he did, even if we look back to the World Cup in Qatar, what he was doing, any time that he has the ball and you look to see what Ghana is going to be able to do, he was creating so many different uh, chances for them. So I'm excited to see what he does as well. Mm. So, Mabuil, let's look at the potential dark horses uh, that might pop up. Because uh, people have mentioned Komoros. I've particularly been impressed with their performance. They shocked Nigeria. They shocked Ghana. You know, so-called heavyweight in West Africa. And they seem not to be doing too bad at all. Do you expect them to shock people in Ivory Coast? So, Komoros... I believe they played really well in the uh, World Cup qualifiers, mm-hmm. but I don't believe they will be uh, playing in the AFCON tournament. I believe, though, a side that we could look at that may shock individuals would be Tanzania. The Taifa Stars, the Taifa Stars really are in a group with Morocco, DR Congo, and Zambia. These are all teams who have won the tournament in the past. Mm. Quote unquote giants. You know, little Taifa stars from East Africa really might not uh, look like they have what it takes. But I'm telling you, the beauty of this game, Peter, is that all it takes is you put together 90 minutes. And these are just men on the other side playing with you in this game. So I really believe that the Taifa stars have potential. But let me also say Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast, some may say that they are a a dark horse, but some may say that they're not. I would say that they are simply because they, they might not have... The super duper, you know, powerhouse players, but they have a young man by the name of uh, Sebastian Haller, who's really put together some, uh, some phenomenal uh, um, a play, you know, playing up front for uh, for Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do. Also, they played uh, really well in the World Cup qualifiers, uh, having scored some games, having put up seven uh, in some games. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what they do. Home crowd, and they will have the home crowd as well. Ah, Saturday. Thanks, Mark Bill. We'll be talking with you throughout the next few weeks to get all the latest on the tournament. Football fans can tune in to the sunny side of sports every Monday through Friday for more AFCON news. Don't forget to check out viewafrica.com for more reporting on the matches and look for 
Kick It AFCON, our podcast taking an in-depth look at all the thrills on the pitch. The first episode airs January 17. A former interior minister of the Gambia is going on trial in Switzerland. Osman Sonko is charged with crimes against humanity for his alleged role in years of repression by the West African country's security forces against opponents of its longtime dictator. The Associated Press says advocacy groups are hailing the trial of Sonko, who held the post from 2006 to 2016 under then-President Yaya Jame. They say it's a chance to reach a conviction under universal jurisdiction, which allows the prosecution of serious crimes committed abroad. Sonko fled to Switzerland in November 2016 and was arrested two months later. The Colorado River supports the largest cities in the southwestern U.S. and a large percentage of the nation's agriculture. But a 23-year-long drought and a flawed allocation scheme have brought the river system close to failure. Matt Dibble has the first story in our first five-part series, River at Risk. Dust rises from parts of Lake Mead. Chris Nice is cultural resource manager for Lake Mead National Recreation Area. There's been a dramatic loss. We've lost over 70% of the lake. Some areas are just unrecognizable to me. Lake Mead, a reservoir in Arizona and Nevada, is fed by the Colorado River and provides water for some of the largest U.S. cities and farms. It has become the most visible symbol of a looming environmental disaster faced by western states. Here at Hoover Dam, it's easy to see just how low the water levels have reached after 23 years of drought. The top of the White Ring is where water once reached during plentiful water years. Now the water level has dropped almost to the point where it would no longer be able to pass through the dam to the tens of millions of people who depend on it. The Colorado River begins as snowmelt in the Rocky Mountains and flows over 2,000 kilometers through seven U.S. states and two Mexican states to the Gulf of California. In addition to Hoover Dam, there is a second massive dam and reservoir at Glen Canyon. A system of aqueducts and pipes delivers water throughout the southwest, allowing cities like Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Las Vegas to grow and agriculture to flourish in the desert. Use of the river's water is governed by an agreement between states signed in 1922 called the Colorado Compact. States along the river are grouped into an upper and lower basin, with each allocated the same amount of water per year, 7.5 million acre-feet. An acre-foot is the amount of water it takes to fill a one-acre area to a depth of one foot. A later treaty promised 1.5 million acre-feet to Mexico, But the compact had a fatal flaw. It overestimated the amount of water that would be available each year. Edith Sagona is a water management expert and professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. They allocated more water even than they had um, at that time. During the 20th century, all that water wasn't being used because the people, all of the states, the seven states, did not have the ability to take that water and use it. Since the year 2000, a mega drought has drastically reduced flows. Jennifer Gimbel is a water policy scholar at the Colorado Water Center. Now they're calling it aridification, which means it's not going to go away. You know, we have to deal with this hotter and drier and more arid climate now. 
Over the past century, the basin states have successfully negotiated river allocations among themselves. But negotiations broke down in 2022 with fears that low water levels at Hoover Dam might soon no longer turn turbines or pass through the dam at all. The federal government signaled that it was preparing to intercede and manage the crisis. Camille Tutin is commissioner of the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. In the Colorado River Basin, more conservation and demand management are needed, in addition to the actions already underway. In May of 2023, the basin states ultimately agreed to the government's demand to begin conserving nearly one third of the average annual flow. Will the cuts be taken mostly by cities that continue to sprawl despite the worsening crisis, or by farmers who currently use 80 percent of the water? And where does this leave Native American tribes who continue to fight for access to water they've long been promised, or Mexico, where the end of the river barely supports a struggling ecosystem? In the parched landscape of the Southwest, the struggle over a dwindling Colorado River. Promises a future of complex negotiation and adaptation. Matt Dibble, VOA News, Boulder City, Nevada. The Consumer Electronics Show, better known as CES, is back in Las Vegas from January 9 to 12, with more than 3,500 companies from around the world showcasing the latest developments in artificial intelligence, healthcare, transportation, and much more. VOA's Julie Tabo gives us a preview. So, is there anything I can touch? Thousands of visitors are expected to see, hear, and experience the latest innovations in technology at CES 2024. This year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, the largest consumer technology event in the world, will be even bigger this time around, with a 10% increase in exhibit space and more than 3,500 exhibitors. John Kelly is CES Vice President and Show Director. He spoke with VOA via Skype. We really do represent the entire tech ecosystem. So it could be those healthcare companies, those transportation, mobility companies, drone companies, 3D printing companies,、um, lifestyle technology companies, smart home companies. More than 300 manufacturers make up the transportation category alone. That includes companies like BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Hyundai, and Kia. And more than 1,000 of the exhibitors will be startups. I see entrepreneurs. That are very passionate about their product, and it's not just a product to make money, but more to solve a problem. Which ties in nicely with the show's theme of technology for good. For me, that's what's most inspiring is to see those companies that are developing those products with, you know, good intent、um, to change the world and make it a better place. Artificial intelligence is expected to dominate the exhibit floor, especially in key areas where there's been explosive growth. You'll see how artificial intelligence is powering automobiles. And AI is increasingly present in healthcare. It's an explosive area of growth. What we're seeing is new different types of solutions to help patients, the end users, the consumers, connect with their doctors, connect with their healthcare providers to provide solutions to better improve their health. Attendees will also get to see goods and services from many eco-minded companies. Companies utilizing clean energy or showcasing technologies that are conserve energy. We're also seeing it show up in like the agricultural and food tech category, where companies are showcasing how they are producing in an energy efficient way, in a more efficient way, if you will, to, sh- to solve food scarcities. 
show organizers expect 130,000 visitors from 150 countries with a large presence from Asia. China will have a large presence. Korea will have a very large presence. Asia is such an important market for the tech ecosystem that, you know, it wouldn't be CES if there wasn't a strong Asian presence at the show. Representing the best of global technology, nearly one-third of exhibitors at CES 2024 are from overseas. This is our Panasonic at CES! Julie Tabo, VOA News. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I am Peter Clotty in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at viewingafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, David Vandy, and our engineer, Mr. John Dryden, we say thanks for choosing the Voice of America.